Praise the Lord. Man, what a treat. What a treat to be here in Weatherford, be with you. And uh, I'm just honored, thankful for the opportunity to be in service here. Uh, I don't normally miss Sunday in Odessa. I just feel like I'm half backslid if I'm not there. And uh, But this is Memorial Weekend, and I figured half the church would be gone. You wouldn't know I was gone. So... <laughs> and so here we are, and what a what a privilege to be here with the with the Duns. So thankful for their lives, thankful for uh, the commitments that they have made. It's just it's that's the uh, joy of being a pastor in a place for a long time. And to be in a in a church, I went to Odessa as a youth pastor forty years ago. And I just outlived everybody, and now I'm the pastor. But uh, <laughs> been that for 26 years, and it's uh, got a great church. God's been good to us. Amen. Lord, we thank you for all of your goodness. Thank you for your blessings, for your love. Thank you for your patience. Thank you for being patient with us. God, you're so kind to us. You're so good. We want to get to know you better. We want to know you in a close way. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Praise God. Praise God. It's good to see Dennis and Linda. Chad, that's right. You're not responsible for one gray hair. Don't worry about it. Amen. But uh, appreciate them so very, very much. Good to see y'all. Uh, in, in living, watching people's lives, and that's, that's what I do is I get watch people grow, watch people's lives develop. And uh, the two seems to be, it boils down, to, I know there's a lot of stuff that happens in life, but the things that we control, there's a lot of stuff we don't control. But the two things that we do control that affects the total outcome of our life if we can if we can wrap it all up and understand that there's really two things that determine what kind of life I'm going to have what kind of life I'm going to live is my priorities and my choices priorities and choices priorities are the things that we value priorities are the things that we deem to be really important that's that's our priorities that's the important things. So that has a huge effect on my life is what do I determine? What do I deem to be valuable? What do I deem to be important? And then choices is what we actually do. Now, we may think we're going to do something. We may 
determine, okay, I feel like this is what I need to do. That's not a choice. A choice is what we actually do or actually refrain from doing. That's a choice. We can we decide, well, I, I'm going to lose weight. Well, it's not a real choice until I push the plate away. So far, I have not made that choice. <laughs> Skinny is not a high, the highest priority in my life right now. And I can say that losing weight is a priority. Okay, that, that this is a good example. I can say that losing weight, being less heavy, is a priority. But if if I choose to eat that cobbler and I choose to eat chips all the way to back to Odessa today and three Cokes, that, uh, that lets me know that losing weight is not a priority. It's a good idea, but it's not a priority. And uh, there's something else driving my choices. There's another priority driving my choices, but we know that it's not losing weight. It's, we can say a, a strong, you know, large um, savings account is, is our priority. Man, we, want, we want a lot of money in the savings account, but if we're maxing out our credit cards constantly, then we know it's a big savings account's a good idea, but it's not really a priority. Because there's something else driving our choices. There's another priority, whatever it may be, only having stuff, uh, trying to keep up with the next door neighbor or whatever is driving our choices. It's a higher priority than a big bank account. Our choices expose what our priorities are. The things that we actually do or the things that we actually refrain from doing, that's what helps us to understand really what our priorities are. I can say my priorities is a certain thing, but my choices reveal what my real priorities are. So if priorities determine choices, what is it that determines my priorities? What is it that causes me to determine what's really important? And the answer to that is the ultimate desired outcome. Basically, what do I want to be when I grow up? What do I want to look like? What do I want to have accomplished? What's the desired outcome? If the desired outcome is to be a doctor, or if the desired outcome is to be a professional mountain climber, now we're not talking about go out of Loopy Peak, we're talking about Mount Everest-type mountains. If that's, if that's your desired outcome is to be a professional mountain climber or to be a professional baseball player, or if your desired outcome is to own a business, you can see how that whatever your desired outcome is is going to determine what your priorities are. If your desired outcome is to be a doctor, you'll probably spend less time on the ball field because your desired outcome determines what your priorities are. If you're not really certain what your desired outcome is, then there's no way of 
having priorities. You've got to know what you want to be. You've got to know what you want to accomplish in order to know what your priorities are. Otherwise, your choices are just everywhere. James, James chapter 1, verse 8. If you have your Bible, I'll give you time to get there, but it just, it's a short verse. A double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. An individual who's wishy-washy, an individual who does not know what they want to be, an individual doesn't know what it is that they want to look like when it's all said and done, then they're unstable in all their ways. They, they could want to be, you know, whatever today and something else tomorrow, and that's going to drive their choices. A double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. Well, if your desired outcome is determines your priorities, you know, if you're going to be a doctor, you're going to be a welder, you're going to be an athlete, that determines your choices. Now, you and I have taken on a whole other life. We have been born again. We've been born into another life, a whole other way of living. It puts us at another level of choices. And so the Apostle Paul observed that if in this life only you have hope, if all your eggs are in the basket of this life, then you are of all men most miserable. If if our only our focus is on this life, if our focus is only on the time we spend on this planet, then the results are going to be a pretty small life. We're going to end up with not much. But when you because when you compare this small life of just planet Earth and the time that we spend breathing from a baby to 86, 87 years old, if, if all of our focus is just what we can accomplish right here, you can accomplish a few things, but then when you compare it to what you could have accomplished had you expanded into the kingdom of God and what you could have been in the kingdom of God, then you're going to be left with some regrets. You're going to be left with pretty disappointed in yourself and maybe even miserable because that you focused on this life only. So the big question is, is what is your desired kingdom outcome? Are you going on this life? Are you going to be a doctor, a welder, a farmer, a rancher? You're going to, what are you going to be in this life? But now then we're part of another, another world. We've been born into a whole other level. So we can take that same question is, and that what is your desire in the kingdom of God? How serious are you? How serious are you concerning your relationship with God? How, how serious are you about the idea of becoming like Jesus Christ? How serious are you about the desire? How much do you really desire to please God? Now, we've got, we've got this little life that we live here, but once we start living for God, now we understand there's a bigger purpose. But 
how serious am I? I can say pleasing God is the most important thing in the world. But what does my choices say? Because my choices reveal what's really my priority. So how serious am I? When I look at my choices and the things that I do and the things that I refrain from doing as a result of a choice, how does that measure up to pleasing God is the most important thing? So that's, that's the big question we've got to ask ourselves. How serious am I really about being like Jesus, about growing and developing? Because, you see, God has called each and every one of us. He's called you. He's called you to something greater. He's called you to be something better, something greater than, than what we could ever imagine on our own. When Jesus went to the disciples, not all of them, but there was three or four of them. He said, follow me, and I'll make you fishers of men. Matthew, he didn't even tell him what he's going to do with him. He just said, follow me. And Matthew got up from his business desk. He was a tax collector. He, was, he was, had a prominent position, and he just walked away from it and started following Jesus. They simply understood. Evidently, there was, they had encountered him a time or two prior to him actually calling him. But they sensed that Jesus was different. They sensed that Jesus was anointed. They, they sensed that he was offering them something better than what they were creating themselves. That what he was offering was better, had a better outcome than what they were pursuing. And so they dropped what they were pursuing and began following him. Now, as, as you watch these men follow Jesus, you can see the evolution and the escalation of their development, the, the growth that went on. They, they started out simply hearing Jesus teach. And watching him do miracles. And then it began to sink into their minds. You know, this, this is the Messiah. He is building a kingdom. They begin to comprehend that Jesus wasn't just different. He wasn't just anointed, but he had purpose. That, and he was God in flesh. And he was building a kingdom, but developing a kingdom. And their trust level began to grow. I mean, at, when they broke fish and bread and watched it, all they had was, what, two fish and five loaves, and they broke it and handed it down, and with those two fish and five loaves of bread, they fed 5,000 people. Their trust level began to rise. When Peter walked on the water, when they cast out demons, when they were involved in miracles themselves. Now their trust level is beginning to grow. They're growing. They're developing. And they came to the place to where Jesus was teaching and he got pretty pointed and like people tend to do sometimes when they're being taught something that uh, rubs against their own personal priorities, they all started walking off and leaving. And so Jesus turns to the 12 and asks them, this is in John chapter 6, verse 67, 
will you go away also? You're going to leave too? And Simon Peter, this is after he's walked on water and after, after he's fed 5,000 and he's seen all of these things. He says, Lord, to whom shall we go? Because you have the words of eternal life. And we believe and we are sure that thou art the Christ. You're the anointed one. You're the Messiah, the son of the almighty God. We believe that and we're sure of that. You're not just a good man. You're not just an anointed man. You're not just a good teacher. You're the son. You are, you are the flesh of God. There was a development from just hearing teaching. He's a good man. He's an anointed man to, whoa, there's nowhere else to go. You're God Almighty in flesh. But then there's still growth to go. They're convinced that he's the Christ. He's the son of the living God. But when we get to the trial, when we get to the crucifixion, at that point in time, they expected Jesus to build a kingdom, but they expected him to build that kingdom in Israel, that Israel was going to be ruling the world. They, that's what they, what they comprehended. And although they were committed enough to where when everybody else left Jesus, they stayed. But their commitment level had not grown to the place to where when they were killing Jesus, they stayed. When they left Jesus, they were committed enough to stay. But when they were killing Jesus, they left too. They, they didn't stick around. They, they had grown. They had developed. But their priority was still self-preservation. They, But then after the cross, after Pentecost, after they had received the the power of God in their lives on the day of Pentecost spoke in other tongues. They were baptized in Jesus' name. Now they grow and they develop and they discover that the kingdom is not in Israel. The kingdom is spiritual. They discover that the kingdom is heavenly and that the kingdom of God will impact people's lives on a personal level. And these people that wouldn't stay around to watch Jesus get beat, they wouldn't stay around to watch Jesus get crucified, but now their commitment level grows to the place to where they are beaten. They're committed to the place to where they are killed. Their commitment level grew from running at the trial and the crucifixion of Jesus to where now they are willing to be killed themselves. So there's always this progression. There's always, and it's priorities and choices. What do I want to be? What do I ultimately want to become? What level of my relationship with Jesus do I want? How much do I really want to please him? They had been called to greater things. Their desired outcome progressed. It evolved from being simply the, and, and they argued about this, who's going to be the greatest in the kingdom of God? Who's going to be the greatest in his, and they were expecting an earthly kingdom. Can we sit on your right hand with your left hand? Who's going to be the greatest in this earthly kingdom? That's what they desired. And that 
affected their priorities and that affected their choices. But their understanding of God, their love for God progressed to where they eventually became their priority was not being the greatest in the kingdom of God, God's earthly kingdom, but their priority became, I want to be the servant, the chief servant in God's heavenly kingdom. As they came to know God, their priorities changed. What they wanted to be changed. The apostle Paul, he said in Philippians chapter 3 verse 12, and the, the way it's written just just bear with me just a little bit because he doesn't use the same words we would use. But here we go. Not as though I had already attained or achieved. Either were already perfect, but I follow after, if that I might apprehend that which I was apprehended of Christ. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended or to achieved, but this one thing I do, I'm forgetting those things which are behind, reaching forth to those things which are before. I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Now, this was a man that's accomplished a lot. He started several churches. He's written several books of the Bible. And he said, I still haven't achieved it all. He said, I've, God has called me to greater things. I have not attained either. I have not apprehended that which... God has apprehended me for. He's called me to something specific. He's apprehended me for something specific. He's got a purpose in my life. I've not reached that purpose yet. I've accomplished a few things, but I'm forgetting the things that I have accomplished. I'm not going to be comfortable with what I have accomplished in the past. And a lot of times in our walk with God, we feel like, well, I'm pretty good. I show church even on Memorial Weekend. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm, I'm doing pretty good, and you are. But if we're not careful, we say, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm a churchgoer. I'm, 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 I'm pretty good. But Paul has done more than what you and I've done, and he's still saying, I haven't, I haven't reached it yet. I still haven't attained it. I've got greater priorities I'm pressing toward a mark. I'm pressing toward a prize. I'm pressing toward a high calling. God has called me to something higher than what I am now. And because that's what I want to be, my priorities have, are different than what they used to be. I'm not satisfied with that. Disciples were called. Apostle was called. You and I personally are called. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 11 and 12. As you know, we exhorted and we comfort and charged every one of you. We, we went at you from every angle. We exhorted you. We comforted you. Then we challenged you, every one of you. As a father doth his children, what did they charge them to do, exhort them to do? And he's writing to us also. That you would walk worthy of God. The God who hath called you unto his kingdom and unto his glory. You, you have been called by God. You have been summoned by God to experience his kingdom. 
you've been summoned by God to experience his glory. God has summoned you to do that. This can't just be something that's just, that's nice. This can't be something that we would just wish for. You and I have got to do as Paul said, walk worthy of God's calling. I need to make this calling, this kingdom of God, I need to make it my priority. It's got to be my desired outcome that I please God that God is pleased with me, that I fulfill this that he's apprehended me for, this that he has called me to do. My desired outcome must be to be like Jesus Christ. And that desired outcome is going to affect our priorities. That desired outcome is going to affect our choices. If in this life only we have hope, if just to make a dollar and retire and play with grandkids, if that's all we're here to do, when I could have been also, I could have done all of that plus lived a life that pleased God too. Amen. There is a greater life. There is a greater kingdom. And you've been called to enjoy that. You've been called to live that. And if we don't adjust our desires, if we don't adjust our priorities and choices to attain all this that the kingdom offers to us, then we're going to be miserable, dissatisfied, just discontented because we're not achieving all that we're capable of achieving. Amen. Because you see, not all born-again Christians will be saved. Not all born-again Christians will be saved. We find Jesus dealing with that issue in Matthew chapter 7, verse 21. It says, Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven. But he that doeth the will of the Father. Not everyone that says, Lord, Lord. Not everyone that says it's a good idea. Not everyone that says it's those that do. Let's all say do. Do the will of the Father. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name? And in thy name we've cast out devils, and in thy name done many mighty works. And then I will profess to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. Therefore, whosoever heareth the sayings of mine and doeth them, doeth them, let's all say do, I will liken him to a wise man which built his house on the rock. You and I are not going to be saved because of our gifting. We're not going to be saved because of what we have received from God. We're going to be saved because of how we live after we have received from God. It's the way we live. It's, we're going to be judged by what we do. 
Revelation chapter 20, verse 11. And I saw a great white throne and him that sat on it from whose faith the earth and the heaven fled away and there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God. And the books were opened. And another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books according to their works. It's how we live. Priorities and choices. Priorities is what we deem to be valuable. Priorities is what we understand to be important. But choices is what we actually do with those priorities. And whenever we stand before God, the question is, how's this, how's this growth process been going on in your life? Have you obeyed my word? Have you lived according to my word? As he said in Matthew, I don't know you. How do we know God? He said, if you love me, if you love me, you'll obey my commandments. You're not just going to memorize them. You're not just going to know them. If you really love me, you will obey my commandments. There will be a doing involved. There will be a following through involved. There will be choices. Those commandments will become priorities that, that will affect the choices that you make. Because our lives must be lived in a way that it is pleasing to the one who will judge all men. God has a strong opinion. He has a strong opinion. He, our culture tries to dumb him down and just make him obsequious and just, you know, gooey. And But God's got a strong opinion. He wouldn't accept Cain's sacrifice. Uh, Cain made a sacrifice. He wouldn't accept it. He wouldn't accept the sacrifices of people who were not repentant. He wouldn't accept sacrifices that were improper sacrifices. They had to be done exactly right. Then we go into Proverbs, which has nothing to do with sacrifice. It's got to do with lifestyle. It says, these six things doth the Lord hate. That's pretty strong opinion. A proud look. Just the look of being proud, not proud itself. Just the fact that if you kind of look proud, he hates that. Because what in the world has a human being got to be proud of? Made out of dirt. And God's looking at that. You know, what are you proud of? A lying tongue God hates. Hands that shed innocent blood. A heart or a mind that devises wicked imaginations. It's just constantly dreaming up stuff that's wrong. Feet that are swift. To be running to mischief. I don't know about in your, your church, but in our church, we've got, you know, people. And people, you know, can kind of get crossways with one another. Well, that's normal. But there are three or four in the congregation that can be five miles away from this bickering going on over here between these two. 
But before you get back to church next Sunday, they're right in the middle of it. It's none of their business, but by next Sunday, it is their business. <laughs> Swift to run to mischief. A false witness that speaks lies. And he that stirs up discord among the brethren. These are things that God just doesn't prefer, doesn't happen. It says he has a real strong opinion. He hates that. God is opinionated. And he is, this opinionated God is going to judge me. This opinionated God is going to judge you. Well, you know, God's merciful. You're right. He is merciful. He does everything that he can to help you and I have a good relationship with him. He works with us. He's patient with us. He's kind to us. He's long-suffering with us. He's merciful. And as long as there's time, his mercy is extended. But whenever I draw my last breath, mercy's over. Whenever you draw your last breath, mercy is over. You have now, you're no longer in time, you're in eternity. Once you quit breathing, you're not in time where mercy exists, you're in eternity. An example of what happens in eternity, Satan, he wasn't Satan at the time, he was Lucifer. He was right up there, he was one of the top dogs in the angel hierarchy. One of the top three. And he just thinks, I think I'll be equal with God. And just at a thought, like a lightning bolt, he falls from heaven just because of a thought. There's no mercy in eternity. A bad thought, all the other angels have been good ever since. No more bad thoughts. <laughs> when time is over, mercy's over. I've got to please him. He's an opinionated God, and I want him to know me. I want him to know me. Amen. Who's going to be saved? Revelation chapter 17, verse 12. And the ten horns which thou sawest, and, and the, this is John writing, and the, the angels talking to him said, you saw these ten horns. Those ten horns represent ten kings, which have received no kingdom yet, but received power as kings, one hour of the beast. Then he goes into this. These have one mind and shall give their power and strength to the beast, these shall make war with the Lamb. All these kingdoms are going to make war with Jesus Christ at the, in the end time. And the Lamb will overcome them. Jesus will overcome them, for he is the Lord of lords. He's going to overcome however many kings you want to stack up on the earth. He's the king of kings. And those that are with Jesus, this is Revelation 17, 14, those that are with Jesus are called, chosen, and faithful. Jesus said in Matthew 22, verse 14, many are called, but few are chosen. Just recently, they had the uh, NFL draft. 
I don't know how many boys got drafted. I don't know how many. I used to know all those figures, but I don't now. But there was a bunch of them drafted. They were. They received the phone call. We want you to play for Dallas Cowboys. We want you to. We want you to play for a losing team. You can play for the Cleveland Browns, you know. And, uh, but uh, a bunch of boys got called. But when they start playing for serious in, when is it, September, most of those boys that got called are not going to be chosen. They're not going to be on the ball field in September because they don't have the assets. They don't have the skills. They don't have whatever's necessary that's to be chosen to be on the team. They've got talents or they've never gotten called but they don't have the necessary whatever it is that they're looking for on that team, they're not going to have it, and so they're not going to be chosen to play. So how do I get chosen? Called, chosen. God's in charge of the calling. God's in charge of the choosing. So I've got to focus on what I'm in charge of. What can I do? What is it that I've got to, what's the skill set that God is looking for in order for me to be qualified to be chosen? And that skill set is faithful. Faithful. Call, chosen, faithful. Faithful in obedience to his word. When we say faithful, we normally think church attendance. Church attendance is part of it, but it's not nearly all of it. I've also got to be faithful in my obedience to God's word. If you love me, you'll obey my commandments. I've got to be faithful in that. I've got to continue to love God, be faithful to God, continue to serve God whenever I'm going through some dark valley. And it looks like that God is failing. And there are times, at least in my life, your life may be just as smooth as silk, but in my life, there are times it looks like God's nowhere around. And it's in those times where we decide, am I still in this for the long haul or not? Faithful in the valley times, faithful in the dark times, faithful in righteousness where I, I maintain a right relationship with God and a right relationship with people because I cannot have a right relationship with God if I don't have a right relationship with people. My, what's going on in my relationship with people is a good indication of what's going on between me and God. Because the Bible says, how can I say I love God that I've never seen if I don't love the people that are right here in front of my face? So I can, I can kind of tell what my relationship with God is by what's going on in our relationship with you. Faithful. That's a big word. It's not just showing up to church once a month. It is life-changing. It's like the disciples moving from he's anointed to he's the Christ. He's the Christ, but if you want to kill him, I'm not hanging around, to he's the Christ. And I want to be like him, and you can kill me too. There was a progression. There was a growth. And there's got to be a growth going on in my life and in your life. we got to be continually becoming more like Jesus Christ. That's got to be the ultimate deal. I've got to be like Jesus Christ. You and I are called to greater things. 
You can be a welder, but you can be that and more. You can be a doctor, but you can be that and more. You can be a school teacher. You can be that and more because now you're part of God's kingdom. And when you're part of God's kingdom, there's a whole new vista. There's a whole new world of possibilities and opportunities that we can grow into. Amen. Praise God. And that affects our priorities and choices. Let's all say priorities and choices. That's the two things that you and I control that will affect and determine the outcome of our lives. There's things that happen that you don't control, but you still control your choices. You still control your priorities. You control how you're going to respond to those things you don't control. Amen. Praise God. One last verse. Romans chapter 12, verse 1. And then we can go eat those tacos. <laughs> I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. He said, I beg you, get your priorities straight. Get it right. Understand what is really important. Present your bodies a living sacrifice holy and acceptable unto the unto God, this opinionated God. Present your bodies unto this God acceptable. Because he says that's your reasonable service. Don't be conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your thinking. Change your desired outcome. Change your priorities to the place to where that it affects your choices by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and not just acceptable but the perfect will of God. Amen. I've got to please Him. I've got to please Him. He's called me to greater things. Amen. He's called me. He's called you to greater things. We can be greater than what we are. There's always room for growth. There's always room for improvement. When God begins to deal with you, deal with me about specific things in our lives, would you, would you give that to me? That's what Paul was talking about, sacrifice your body. Present your body a living sacrifice. But I like that. I enjoy that. But God says, I want that. You can't be everything that you're capable of being if you still have that in your People who are athletes lay stuff aside. There's certain things they don't do. There's certain things they do. You think they enjoy getting up at 4 o'clock in the morning and running 10 miles every day? Now, there's some that are natural, more natural than others, and they don't. But they don't last as long as those that are disciplined. Amen. Praise God. You're called. You're called. But now we've got to be thankful if we're going to be chosen. You're called to greater things. But if we're going to be chosen to that, then we're going to have to grow, develop, and improve to become more like Jesus Christ. Dear Lord, we thank you. We thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your, your word. Thank you for the hope 
that we find in you. We can be better people. We can improve. We can have a relationship with God. The one who is the king of all kings. We would be pleased and proud if we could say that we knew the king of England or the president of the United States. We would be pleased if we would say that we were the king. We were friends with people of power. But we can say we're friends with the king of all kings. We're king of the president of all presidents. We're king of the Lord of all lords. I can be your friend. I can come to know you in a special way. Not just lip service, but really, really know you. Hallelujah. 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 Let's all stand. I thank you, Jesus. I thank you, Jesus.